0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Have you got your Bible out there? Let's hold them high to heaven and say thank you, Father. Change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I will never, ever, never, ever be the same again, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, praise God. We want to talk to you about the subject of identification this morning, identification. Going to read a few scriptures here, first of all, then we'll get into it. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 4. John 17, it's up there so you can see it. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, Father, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. Now notice this, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Notice what he says. Glorify me with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. Why? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But then look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 1. It's 12 verses we're going to read here. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. I thought he already was. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Front of which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he brings in the first begotten to the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But under the sun, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, In the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up. And they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. As we have celebrated the resurrection of our Lord, and really the Passion Week of our Lord, and if you've never heard this before, it'll be a blessing to help you understand more fully what we want to talk about. There are seven feast days in Israel that they celebrate every year. And those seven feasts really reveal to us God's redemptive plan for man. Although many don't realize that. Obviously on Passover the sacrificial lamb was slain. That was when Jesus was crucified. And then unleavened bread is when they hid the bread. They hid the leaven. Remember? It was the death of and burial of our, of our Savior. And then firstfruits is a revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were given all these that were types and shadows. And then after resurrection, of course, we know that Jesus took his blood and fulfilled the atonement when he went into the high court with his blood and offered it on the mercy seat and utensils of worship to obtain eternal redemption for us. That's the fourth. The fifth is Pentecost 50 days after the Passover Pentecost was fulfilled there's no need to have another Passover unleavened bread first fruits it happened we can celebrate it but it all happened Pentecost happened as well the atonement happened for we gentiles because we believe but the fall feasts are going to come there's two feasts left that remain that number one is going to be the feast of trumpets when the high priest blows the trumpet or the shofar and then the dead in Christ are risen and we're changed that's the rapture of the church. And the last one of course being a feast of tabernacles when God comes on earth and tabernacles on earth with man for a thousand years and then the eternal kingdom. But atonement notice is in the fall why because we accepted the blood now but the Jews have not Orthodox Jews have not accepted the blood of Jesus Christ and so whenever they celebrate these things there's no blood to take to the high court of heaven because they're I mean, on the earth because there's no more temple there's no more red heifer there's no more place of altar of sacrifice there's no shekinah glory there you see that but you know what when he comes in clouds of glory they'll see him coming at the end of the tribulation period and when they see him coming that's when they're going to accept his atoning blood that's why the atonement's there for them not for us Have you accepted the blood of Jesus Christ? You sure have. Have you been washed in that blood? Okay. But here's one thing for some reason. We celebrate, okay, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. We understand Pentecost. But what about this one thing that seemingly is either unnoticed, not really recognized a lot, except for uh, Edward Peronet. You heard them sing his song this morning. All hell, the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem. The crown. The jeweled crown. That you wear as a sign of what? Sovereignty. And crown him Lord of all. A coronation ceremony took place. Before he was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. But we don't talk about that too much. It's like an award ceremony that took place. A coronation ceremony. That's exactly what it is. You crown him sovereign, Lord of all. And what did he ask the Father? He said, Father, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you from the beginning before the world was. You know what that tells us? Jesus literally set aside his mighty power and glory to become a man. And when he robed himself in flesh, he did so for eternity. He's identified with us. And after he completed the work of redemption, he said, Father, now give me my glory back. This is the award ceremony. This is his coronation. This is why he told the angels to bow down and to worship him. So you see, when he wrote that song, he understood there was a coronation that took place. When we have our Olympians and they will their gold met, win their gold medals, they stand on a podium. And what happens? They play the national anthem and there's a wonderful award ceremony. Beloved, this was an award ceremony like no other that took place in glory. Can you imagine when Jesus emerged victorious over death, hell, and a grave? And now he's about to be seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the father says, wait just a moment. He pulls out the royal diadem. He's got, praise God, the scepter of righteousness. And now he exalts him and says, let all creation once again bow to him. He reinstates his glory, his position of honor, his sonship. You see, he literally set it all aside to become a man. And he did that, why? To identify with you and with me. In the process, he was given a name above every name. That at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow. Things or beings in heaven. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul had the same revelation. And I wonder where he got it. Jesus taught Paul the gospel, didn't he? Jesus taught Paul the gospel. Look at what he says about this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. He identified with us, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God did what? Highly exalted him, and gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things are beings in heaven, things are beings in earth, things are beings under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A coronation ceremony took place, and praise God, I pray when he shows us in the future these events that took place, I'm ready for it. Man, break out the popcorn. Let's sit down in the movie theater of heaven, and let's watch Jesus defeat death, hell, the grave, the devil himself, and then let's watch his coronation ceremony as we celebrate together. Is he worthy of that honor? Yeah, because he redeemed us to God by, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation and made us kings before our God. Okay, in your study, the first thing we have to point out is our, his, our identification with Adam. To better understand this ceremony and all that took place, let's first of all understand our identification with Adam, okay? So first of all, every single one of us was created from one pool of blood. You realize that? Look in Acts chapter 17. This is Paul preaching in Greece at Athens, Greece. He is preaching there where like Mars Hill. Mars Hill was in Athens, Greece. It was a place where uh, they gathered together. These minds gathered together to study and, and to discuss philosophy, religion, and law. And that's where they met. And so as he walks by, what does he see? An inscription on a false idol saying, to the unknown God. And so what does Paul do? He seizes the opportunity and he begins to preach. He says, look, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needs anything, seeing he giveth to all life. uh, And hath made of one blood, notice, and is made of one blood all nations of men. He's made of one blood, brother... uh, One blood of all men. Brother Burdell, can you come here real quick? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want you to meet my triplets. Stand close. I don't want to tower over either one of you. We've all been made from one pool of blood. There's neither red, right? White. Black, right? We're all one. Made from one pool of blood. Oh, our skin color might be different, but on the inside, there's blood coursing through our veins. That's the same that goes all the way back to Adam. Praise God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I just tell you both both of you now, wait till we get out of these bodies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) be I'm going to find out what the weather's like up there. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Right brother Ben, we've been made from one pool of blood. Right brother Burdell, we've been made from one pool of blood. Amen. So it doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black or white. You come from one pool of blood. Amen. And it's traced back to whom? Adam. We all came from the loins of Adam, every single one of us. Secondly, Adam's high treason tainted the blood of all men. Tainted the blood of all men. I didn't finish reading that scripture. Wanna go back to? But that's all right. All nations for to dwell on all the face of the earth and had determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live in him we move in him we have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring you, I want you to notice the platform in which he is saying this is right there before, before all the philosophers and the theologians and, and all that all the lawmakers and he's telling them this we came from one pool of blood but you see the blood of Adam was tainted when he sinned. He committed the sin of high treason. And when he committed the sin of high treason, by identification, everything that fell upon him fell upon us. Everything. So number one, death passed upon us. Look at Romans chapter 5. Death passed upon every single one of us. Wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men. Everybody say all men. All men. For that all have sinned. So death passed upon all of us. That's how it came into this realm in which we live. Now I know right now is a good time to just to say, Adam, what in the world were you thinking? But then secondly, his judgment fell upon us as well. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, Even so by the righteousness of one. The free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. But notice the first part. Because of his transgression. Because of his sin. Death came upon all of us. We are judged with Adam as well. And then finally we're all sinners. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. We're all made sinners. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. So notice our identification. Now neither one of us. None of us. Vitally, none of us was in the Garden of Eden. None of us sinned the same sin that Adam sinned. But by virtue of identification, technically, realistically, every single one of us became sinners, subject to death, and now we're judged. And guess what? What lies in wait for all those outside of Christ is a lake of fire. And that's where they'll spend their eternity. That's where you and I should have spent our eternity by virtue of identification. Wow. But secondly, Christ identified with us. With fallen man. And thank God that he did. Because if he didn't, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. But I want you to notice this. Christ's identification with us. First of all, he identifies with our humanity. Our humanity. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. And there's just too much to read, but I just want you to see this. One verse that we'll pull out here and I'll explain some things. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when he came, the second person of deity, who was not in a body, in bodily form, but a body was prepared for him. He came to the world, he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me a body was prepared for him in the womb of Mary and you know the story of the incarnation but he is saying this a body's prepared for me she saying this be it to me according to your word and a hypostatic union takes place in the second person of deity who was never bound to a body who was never bound to, to, to the limitations of earth he now takes on flesh in the womb of Mary he clothes himself with our flesh so he identifies with our what our humanity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the God-man forever throughout eternity he is identified with us. He's the God-man. 100% God, 100% man and he identifies with us. So, In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 those offerings and those sacrifices were not qualified to redeem us from our fallen state and even though they offer them up year after year they could never be qualified to deliver us from our sinful state but praise God by one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, we can all be justified, but now notice this and so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul the last Adam was made a quickening spirit that's referring to Jesus, the first Adam was a person that was created from the dust of the earth and God breathed into him the breath of life, he became a living soul But the second Adam was the Lord himself from heaven who was wrapped in flesh and then walked on the earth as the God man. But notice he's called the last Adam. And I thought about this. Not the second Adam, not the third Adam, not the fourth. You can refer to him as the second Adam if you understand the proper context. I believe he said the last Adam because there's never going to be another. There's never going to be another. The first Adam failed. The second Adam didn't. The last Adam, Christ, did not fail. So he identified with our humanity by robing himself in flesh. And then he identified with our sin. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. He identified with our sin. Every single one of us was in sin as a result of identification with Adam. To remedy that, he himself had to identify with everything that we were in Adam. So he had made him to be sin, notice those next two words, for us he was made sin for me tell him say with me Jesus you were made sin for me you were made sin for me take that to heart make that a reality Jesus you became flesh you're the God man on the earth and you became sin for me who knew no sin why that I could stay a sinner no that I would be made the righteousness of God in Christ say with me I was a sinner I've been saved by grace I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ. See, in Christ. So in Adam, I was a sinner. In Christ, I'm the righteousness of God. The law of identification. As long as we identify with Adam, we'll be under guilt condemnation, sin consciousness, inferiority, fear worry, anxiety, all the emotions that come with the fallen state of man but in Christ we've got love, we've got joy, we've got peace, we've got patience we've got kindness and goodness and meekness and temperance and faithfulness, we've got righteousness we've got mercy, we've got grace, thank God hallelujah, and then also he identified with our death our death notice in the book of Romans Once again, we refer to chapter 5. What it says here in verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Say it with me. Christ died for me. See, he became a man for us. He identified with our humanity. He became sin for us. He identified with our sinful state. And now we see he died for us, and thank God that he did. He didn't die for himself, he died for us. And then in the book of uh, Hebrews, once again, chapter 2, here's why. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil... And deliver those who were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The next verse says. So we thank God have been delivered from the power of death. Because of his death. So he identifies with our death. He dies for us in our place. Why? If he would have died for ourselves. We'd spend eternity in the lake of fire. But thank God he died for us in our place. And then. Also our judgment. And there are many scriptures that we could point out, but mainly look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse, what are those next two words? For us. So you see he identifies with us in every realm. For it's written, "Curses everyone that hangs on a tree. So Christ, what did he do? Became a man for us. He became sin for us. He died for us. And he became judgment for us. Those are all the things that identify us with Adam. And so in Adam's fallen state, we're full of death. We're full of sin. We're full of judgment. We're cursed. And our eternity would be spent, like I said, in the lake of fire. But Christ came and upon himself, he took on flesh. He became our sin. Thank God he died for us. And he took our judgment So all of it was placed on him. So now we have identification with Adam. Now we have Christ identification with us. And then next we have our identification with Jesus Christ himself. When you said yes to Christ. When you made him your your savior and your Lord. You invited him to come into your heart. Something took place so powerful. It evicted and eradicated spiritual death from your innermost being. And a new heart was placed within you by the spirit of almighty God. And your spirit was recreated by the power of God. And death left. You passed from death to life. You became alive in Christ. Praise God. And you identify now with Christ. The last Adam, you're no longer under the jurisdiction of the first Adam. And everything connected to the first Adam has been eradicated from your life. And so number one. In our identification with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. Look in the book of Romans. Paul said it himself. We'll say it in just a moment. But look in chapter 5. Knowing this that our old man is what? Crucified. Notice the words. With him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. So when God looked down upon the circle of the earth. On the day that Christ died. He saw all humanity crucified with him. Every person. Every person. Red, yellow, black, or white. Every person. Doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity. None of it matters. Your social status. Every person, whoever was, is, or will ever be, he saw crucified with him on that tree. And then, secondly, we died with Christ in the mind of God. In the book of Romans, once again, chapter 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death... We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When you get baptized and you go under that water. You have died with Christ. So in the mind of God. When Jesus took his last breath. All of humanity that ever was, is or will be. He saw die the same death in Christ. He represents all of us just like Adam did from the very beginning. Would you rather identify with the first Adam or the last Adam? Amen. And so now we died with him. Thirdly the scripture says, after we died with him, we were buried with him. Look at Romans chapter 5 again. We were buried with him. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when you went under that water, you died with him and now you are buried with him you're no longer living unto yourself. And then the fourth thing is that we were made alive. We were made alive. Oh wonderful, wonderful, wonderful resurrection. We were made alive. And I, I believe you see this picture in Matthew 27. When he came out of the grave there were others that came out of the grave as well. And it was what? Telling us that death has no power. Death has lost its sting. There's no victory anymore in death. Oh we might be living in the land of the dying but when we die we go to the land of the living. You realize that we're living in the land of the dying right now. But when we die, we go to the land of the living. Thank God. And where we live forever will be determined by whether or not we identify with the first Adam or the, se- the last Adam. And thank God, if you've made Christ your Savior, you identify with the last Adam. And when he was made alive, you were made alive as well. In the mind of God, every person was made alive when he was made alive. And so when he was made alive in that grave, in that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, And that big rock was there. You know the boulder wasn't removed so Jesus could get out. It was removed so people could get in. He didn't have to have the rock removed to get in. Or to get out rather. But we had to have it removed for us to get in. He could walk right through the walls. He did all that. But also it was removed 4,000 pounds and thrown away in such a way that they knew. Without a doubt. No human being could possibly do it. Hundreds of them couldn't do it. And so you see. Thank God we've been made alive in, with Christ. And God sees every person on a planet right now made alive in Christ. Now it's up to them to accept him. If they don't accept him, they stay identified with who? The first Adam. But if they start saying, yes, I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I was made alive with Christ. And now third, the next fifth, I was risen. We were raised up together. Praise God, made alive. Let's, first of all, let's read Ephesians chapter 2. These, these two verses go together made alive and raised up this is the amplified version even when we were dead slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with with christ he gave us the very life of christ himself boy don't you love that the same new life with which he quickened him for it is by grace his favor and mercy which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Look at verse 6. And he raised us up together with him, and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now our identification with Christ means we've been made alive in him, We've been raised with Him. And lastly, we've been what? Seated with Him in heavenly places. So we might be here on earth, literally, but our position is with Him in heavenly places, seated with Him, and reigning with Him as we should in the realm of life. So here we see Christ identifying with us. Why? So that we can identify with Him and eradicate from our lives All the effects of the first Adam's transgression. And thanks be to God because he became sin for us. Because he became our judgment. Because he became everything that that Adam was. Spiritual death for us. All that he became, Jesus became for us. And now all that he is, is attributed to us right now. Because we've made him the Lord of our lives. And why have we identified with him? Because in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, and if you read that whole chapter, if you read verses 12 in particular through 21 in Romans chapter 5, you know what you find out? He's talking about the first and the last Adam. He said the first Adam brought sin and death, but the last Adam brought life and righteousness and grace. And he says, in summation, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, and it reigned from Adam to Moses, everybody say those two next, the next two words. Much more. Say it again like you know it and mean it. So in other words, just as death reigned reigned upon the human race as we identified with Adam, much more much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. Praise God. What's he telling us? He's telling us that in Christ now, we've been given the power We've been given the ability to rise up above all the challenges that we face in this life if we just acknowledge the fact that we identify with Christ and no longer identify with the first Adam and all that came upon him. We're no longer bound by sin. We're no longer bound by unrighteousness or guilt or inferiority or sin consciousness or condemnation. We're not bound by any of those emotional feelings whatsoever any longer. Why? Because we identify with Christ. And so when those things try to attack us and come against us and tell us that we're weak and that we can't make it and we're not going to be able to do it, we need to take a stand and just start realizing as we proclaim it, as we declare it and decree it we're no longer bound by all the effects of the fall. Thank God we're now bound to Christ. And He is our victory. And through Christ God gives us the victory and we can reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So notice this put together for you he died why that we might live and have life he died so every single one of us could have life he became weak so we could become strong what did Paul say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me didn't Paul say I was crucified with Christ nevertheless I live but the life I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in other words I'm not bound any longer by the weakness of Adam Adam I'm not any longer bound by the death of Adam. I'm not bound by the sin of Adam. Sin has no dominion over me. Jesus became poor. Why? So we can be provided for. He suffered shame. Why? So that we can experience what? Glory. He was condemned. Why? So that we can experience justification. He was made sick so his healing power can make us whole. He was forsaken so you and I could be accepted in the beloved. So in other words, identification is this. We identify with Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave, and God wants us to build these truths into our lives, line upon line, precept upon precept, until we start realizing how to fight the good fight of faith. And we realize we have to give no place, no territory, no ground to the devil any longer. For example, when anger comes, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So in other words, anger is an emotion that can control us if we let it. But if we start realizing, I'm in Christ, I'm no longer in Adam, I'm no longer allow anger to control my life. So anger, I rebuke you in the precious name of Jesus and command that you take a back seat in my emotions. You can be angry, but sin not and don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. When guilt and condemnation come upon you, And I'm telling you what, the devil is, he's just a master at pointing out your faults, your flaws, your imperfections, your shortcomings, and your failures. He'll start telling you all these different things about you. And you know what? If you listen to him, he will drive you crazy. He's crazy, and he'll drive you crazy. I mean it. You listen to him, you'll do exactly what Ananias and Sapphira did. Lie. You listen to him, you'll do what Judas did. Betray. You listen to him, he'll take you down a path you don't want to go. He'll take you down a path where he'll cause you to get involved with drugs, alcohol, immorality. He'll drive you into uh, excessive drinking and, and, and drunkenness and, and, and so on. He'll drive you to a place to where finally you get yourself involved with all kinds of things you shouldn't be involved in. And trust me, if, if he sees that you're not vulnerable in any of those areas, he will drive you to the mall. with your wife, with her having the credit card and he'll drive you into debt don't listen to him you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ you were a sinner you're saved by grace you're a child of the most high God praise God you've got the life of God in you you've been given all things that pertain to life and to godliness you've got every promise praise God and by these you become partakers of the divine nature and you've escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust and in him you live and in him you move and in him you have your being praise God Almighty as a matter of fact look at Romans chapter 8 beginning at verse 31 you've got to love this text Paul the apostle was taught this by Jesus what shall we say to these things if God be for us who can be against us and here it is he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all to do what identify with the first Adam As the last Adam, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. God justified you. Satan didn't justify you. Your friends didn't justify you. Nobody on earth justified you. Justified means you are just as if you never sinned in this life. Praise God because you're washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. It's God who justifies you. And you know what? The devil, the accuser of the brethren, has no right to accuse you of anything. If he says, hey, look at this, look at that, you just tell him, look at the back of the book. I read about your destination. You're the loser, and we're the winners, praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm in Christ, I'm not in you. So it's God who justified who is he that condemns us, Christ that died? Yea, rather, it is risen again. Who is he who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. As it's written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're somewhat conquerors. In somewhat, and some of these things we're a little bit conquerors. In all these things we are what? We are what? More. More than conquerors through him that loved us. So I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord what he's saying is this you've been exalted to a place of victory over all the things that you can face in this life and you're now viewed in the sight of God as more than a conqueror through him that loved you and you've heard me illustrate this before it's when the prize is won by the boxer who gets a twenty, let's say, a fifty million dollar purse. Today it's like a hundred million. He won the fight, but he's got battle scars because his eyes are all swollen, blood's coming out. You know, he's sweating and all that, and he's just beat up. But he won the championship, and he got the check. Let's call it hundred and twenty-five million dollars. He's a conqueror. He goes home and gives it to his wife. She never fought one round. She's more than a conqueror. (laughs) You realize that? She's more than a conqueror. She's got the money, never had to go through all the work. Well, guess what? Jesus fought the fight for us. Jesus died the death for us. Jesus became sin for us. He conquered for us and says, here, it's all your inheritance. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. And his name that's above every name, by the way, he gave us to use. As we live our lives upon the earth. So in conclusion. Our identification, identification with Christ. Is the father's dream come true. And it stands as one of the richest phases. Of redemption. And I want you to see these verses. Like you've never seen them before. In first John chapter 3. Look at these verses. Behold what manner of love. The father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called. Sinners. Worms, unworthy. We should be called what? What are we called? Hallelujah. It took him 4,000 years to rectify what Adam did in the garden, it took the death of his son and his resurrection. He went through all that with all the law, the shadow, the types, the shadows of the Levitical priesthood and all that to bring us to a place of Christ being raised from the dead and securing our redemption, right? And obtaining it. It's like a slap in his face if we walk around calling ourselves, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm barely getting along. You know, I'm just a a worm in the dust. Someone worthy to approach God. Oh, my brother and my sister when Jesus cleansed you by his blood he gave you the title of son or a daughter of the most high God and he says you are worthy to enter to the throne now where man was banished from the very beginning and only the high priest could go in once a year but the veil has the, the, the been ripped in twain from top to bottom praise God the Shekinah glory has been exposed and now we can enter in by the blood of the Lamb to the holiest place of all and we can stand before the Father's throne and say Abba Father I belong here I'm Accepted in the beloved. They might not accept you at Seven Oaks Country Club or any other country club you know of. They might accept you at the White House if you try to get in in these days in which we live. But you are accepted in the beloved at the throne of Almighty God by virtue of the blood of the Lamb and your identification with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you can enter in. So what does it say? now are we the sons of God therefore the world doesn't know us knows us not because it knew him not beloved now we're the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know this when he shall appear we're going to be like him we shall see him as he is and look at the motivation when you understand identification here's the motivation every man everybody say every man That has this hope in him. What does he do? He purifies himself as he is pure. If we're not motivated to purify ourselves, we don't have the full revelation yet. But when you see what he did for you, suffered and died for you, became sin for you, became your judgment, when you see the chastisement of our peace was upon him, Isaiah 53 says that he put it all on Jesus. And you understand that when he saw the travail of his soul and raised him up from all the throes that were upon him, all the ways of God's wrath were upon him, and when he raised up from the dead, he looked right at you and said, I'm yours, just accept me as your Savior and I'll raise you up with me. It doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. But we know this, if you lead many to Christ, you'll shine as the stars of heaven. You'll shine as the stars of heaven. So keep on doing the work of the Lord, abounding in the work of the Lord. Keep on abounding in it, because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You have a reason. You know, this resurrection is not just for us to come to church. You understand that? It's for you to go everywhere you go, shining as a light in the world of darkness. Praise God. I'm, I'm not going to get this 100% accurate, but... Um, maybe you know a little bit more. Uh, Marianne Karen shared with me s- someone who was a warlock. She's not. He, she was a war, He was a warlock, and he talked about as a warlock he became a Christian. I believe it was. And as a warlock he said, if you see someone who's like a nominal Christian who's not filled with the Holy Ghost and power, and you see them, there is a light. There is a, like a flame. I think is that is that right, Dennis? Like a flame, you know. And you, you can see them. You can point them out. And you can say, that person saved. That person saved. That person saved. But that person's not that person. As a warlock, you know, they get involved in all kinds of spiritualism. Dealing with demons and seeing into the spiritual realm. But guess what? That flame that's there, he says, we can mess with them. We can mess with them. So in, I'm paraphrasing. He said, but there's other Christians that are filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not just a flame. He said, they're consumed in fire. Everywhere they go, he goes, you don't mess with them. You don't mess with them. He said they speak in other tongues. The fire of God is all over them. Beloved, we need to have the enemy afraid of us. So if you hear yourself saying the devil's been chasing me all week, then turn around. (laughs) And say, you want a piece of this? I may be five, five and a half on the outside, but on the inside, I've got glory in me. Praise God. I house the glory of God's almighty presence. Let's all stand together before the Lord. The glory of the Lord is in me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know about you, but I got my shouter going this morning. Have you got yours wound up yet? Are you ready? Have you got a fire in your bones? Are you filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory? Have you got the glory of God on the inside in your earthen vessel? Then let it out on the out shafts of light coming out of you. Praise God! Let your light shine among men, that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven amen purify yourself even as he is pure thank god for the cleansing flow of the blood can we sing that again do you mind singing that again oh hell the power of jesus name let angels prostrate fall you realize that one day you and i are going to prostrate before the lamb himself and we're going to take our golden crowns and cast them down at his feet and say jesus it's all because of of you praise God I give it all to you all the honor all the glory all the praise the coronation service took place the ceremony was had he's crowned Lord of all he's got the scepter of righteousness we might wear a cross around our neck But I'll tell you what, put next to it a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom and it stands for victory and the jeweled crown, the diadem that says, praise God, you're the sovereign Lord, King of Kings, Lord of Lords and Lord of the universe. And you're coming soon, amen. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I wanna thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school,